Good morning, Rose Bauer. I'm glad to see everyone today. Um, it's good to be in God's house to worship him through song and through opening his word and learn more about him. So let's begin worshiping in song by standing and singing How Great Thou Art.
sing, It Is Well With My Soul.
seated. It is well with my soul, and I hope you can say that same thing yourself. Welcome to Rosebrier this morning. Glad to see all of you here this morning. Um, I hope and pray that you were here for Sunday school this morning and you were able to enjoy that time with us. If you weren't, there is a class for you. I'm going to tell you that every time I'm up here, so come to Sunday school. Um, also, you'll notice today I'm not dressed in my normal suit that I normally wear. Um, I'm wearing our camp t-shirt this morning. Um, our theme this year was from darkness to light, um, and it has twofold purposes this morning. Uh, one, I'm going to share with you a little bit about one of the night's Bible studies at camp, but also I've got nursery duty today, so this is much more appropriate than a suit um, in the nursery. But night three of our, of our time at camp this year, we, we were talking about sharing and showing our light. Um, I'm going to read Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14. It says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and hide it under their basket, but on a lampstand. So it gives us light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine so before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So verse 14 there, it says, You are the light of the world. Um, did you know that a single candle can be seen on a clear night 30 miles away. Now, Jesus used a couple metaphors here in these, in these scriptures um, to help his audience understand what he was meaning. They didn't have the luxury of modern electricity like we have, um, so they understood what he was talking about. Um, they used candles and they used lampstands to light everything up, and they understood what it meant when a city up on a hill was lit up with their candles and the lights. Um, what it would mean that they could see that from a long ways off. And so on verse 15, they would also understand that they wouldn't light a candle or a lampstand and put it under a bushel or under a basket. Um, they would set it out for the light to be used, for people to be able to see. And um, the purpose of the lamp was to provide light in the room. You know, on a lamp under a basket, you know, it doesn't even work even if it's lit. So the difference is not whether the lamp is lit, but where it's placed. So God chose to use us as his primary way to share his story with others. You know, we're not the source of our own light. Um, when we're left our own design, um, we can no more shine in this world than a flashlight with no batteries. Like the city and the lamp, you know, we glow through the power source that's not our own. You know, think about the moon. You know, think back to a time when the moon was really bright, you know, bright enough that you could see in the darkness, you know, of the night. You know, how interesting that the moon doesn't shine its own light. The, the moon reflects the sun's light. And, you know, it's shining as bright as the sun sometimes on those nights. But we're called to that same relationship with God. You know, Jesus is the light of the world. And yet in these verses, he looks at his followers and says, you are the light. You know, not that we can shine, but that he can shine through us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for allowing us to come to your house today and, and to worship you, Father. I thank you for the songs and the, the, the worship time that we have to come to, 
to glorify you and to, to praise you, Father. I pray that you just be with us as we, as we do that. May we, all the cares of the world, all the troubles of the world be taken from us right now, Father, so we can focus on worshiping you. I pray that you be with Justin tonight. Father, we lift him up to you. We lift up the message that you've given him. May we take that message today, apply it to our lives, use it for your honor and glory, to be able to be light in this world, to share that with others. Father, again, we pray for our ones, the ones that don't know you as their personal Savior, the ones that are away from you right now, Father. I pray that you just draw them back close to you. I ask, Father, you be with us the rest of the service. I forgive us for many ways we fail. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Y'all would stand, we'll continue in worship. I realize this looks absurd, but I'm pregnant, so sitting is easier. <laughs> Mine are days that God has numbered. I was made to walk with
this time with the kids come forward and head off to Children's Church. We've got one more song we're going to worship with this morning. So if you'd like to sit at this point, you can. If you want to remain standing, please do. Now, this next song we're going to sing says it all in the title, Jesus.
us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these songs this morning, Lord, that remind us of who you are, Lord, the faithfulness that you have, Lord, and, and how we can trust in you, Lord, that we can put our faith in you and know that even though this life may not go the direction that we would plan it, Lord, you have control. You are sovereign. Lord, it is your plan. It is your will. Lord, help us this morning to trust in that. Give us the encouragement and the strength that we need, Lord, to just trust in you, uh, to not worry about anything, Lord, but to pray about everything and give it up to you. Lord, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for your word and the wisdom that it brings to us, Lord. I pray that we would trust in it more. I pray for hearts this morning that are in your house all over the world, Lord. I pray that you would soften our hearts to the message that you have for us this morning as we open up your word. Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom and discernment when our ears hear your word. Lord, I pray for Brother Justin and lift him up to you right now. That, Lord, that you would speak through him Lord, in our lives, Lord, that we would receive it with open arms. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your mercy, your grace, Lord, that we don't deserve. Lord, I pray that we never take that for granted. We are nothing but filthy rags. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 4, so we continue in the study of the gospel of John. John chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 31 in just a minute, um, but as you're turning there, I do want to thank you so very much for being here this morning in God's house to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What a joy it is to be here this morning with each of you, uh, praying God's blessing upon you and praying that you've had a wonderful week this week. Uh, but I am so glad to be here with you this morning in God's house to worship our Lord and Savior. And then also last week we spent just a moment and we recognized our praise team uh, for, for leading us in worship each and every week. Uh, and one of our praise team members was not here. And so we want to do that this week, Miss Terry. Uh, we want to recognize you and thank you for playing and leading us in worship each and every week. How long have you been playing here at Rosebar Baptist Church? I put her on the spot. 34 years. She started, wow. <laughs> started when she was six and has been playing for 34 years at Rosebar Battery. But thank you so much for your efforts and for your commitment uh, to leading us in worship uh, with excellence. And we just pray. God's blessing upon you, and thank you for your commitment each and every week, and for our praise team, for all of our servants as we went through last week, but we did want to mention Miss Terry this morning. Uh, but we're going to jump into the Gospel of John, and we're going to pick up 
right where we left off, if that's okay. And what we learned in John chapter 4 is one of the longest conversations recorded in Scripture with Jesus, and it's with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, if you can remember. And so um, Jesus is thirsty, and he goes to this well. He goes through Samaria, which was a really big deal because Jews did not go through Samaria. They didn't have any dealings with the Samaritans. They were half-breeds. And especially with the women, they didn't discuss or talk to. So he goes to this well at midday, and he finds this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And what we find is there's a woman who has a reputation uh, that she's had five husbands. And now the, the man that she's living with is not even her husband. And that Jesus ultimately calls her out of her sins. And, and, and she says, are you a prophet? And he says, uh, and, and, and she's thinking that because he told her about her sins, told her everything about her life. She said, you must be a prophet. And he says, no, I'm someone greater than that, right? And he said, ultimately reveals to her that I am the Messiah. And then she is absolutely mind blown. And she leaves to go and tell everyone she knows about Jesus, the Messiah is here. <laughs> all right. So she's going back to Samaria. She's going to, to the village to tell all of her friends. And then we're left with now Jesus. And the, what happened was the disciples had left to go get food for Jesus while Jesus was at the well with the Samaritan woman at the well. And so now the Samaritan woman's going. She's becoming a missionary for Jesus. Praise God. And then the disciples are coming back. And you can see this is just divine timing as it as you can tell, because the disciples get back just as the time as Jesus is finishing up the conversation with the Samaritan woman. Because if they would have come earlier, they would have probably messed up everything. <laughs> they would have interrupted and they would have said, Jesus, what are you doing? But just so have it that it was on God's divine timetable that they get back right at the end of this conversation. And the Samaritan woman is going back to the village to tell everyone that Jesus, the Messiah, is here and we're left with Jesus and the disciples. And I want us to fo focus just for a moment on the conversation that they have at the end of John chapter 4. So if you will, would you stand to your feet in the honor of the reading of God's word? And we're going to begin reading in verse 1. I mean, I'm sorry, 31. <laughs> 31, it says this. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray your blessings upon this word that has been read. We pray for your spirit to fill us, 
for your, filler, for your spirit to instruct us, to teach us, and to train us. But Lord Jesus, we pray for the transformation work of the spirit in our hearts and our lives this morning. God, I pray that you bind Satan from this place. I pray for your word to go forward, for your gospel to advance, and for your kingdom to advance, and that you may get the glory and the honor that you truly deserve. Give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. So in our passage this morning, there's ultimately two things that I want to share with you that we see from Jesus. And the first thing we see is the caution. <laughs> the caution. And that is that Jesus gives us a caution. Jesus is there with the disciples. They've stopped at the well for Jesus to get a drink. While he was at the well, the disciples go on into the village in order to get food for Jesus, right? For themselves and for Jesus. Because they're on a long journey and they're needing to nourish their bodies, get some drink and get some food. And then as they come out, come back, they're in absolute shock that Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. This woman at the well. They're absolutely shocked, but none of them say a word. <laughs> They're, they're, they're absolutely blown away that he would talk, but they don't say anything in that moment. But they're confused. So why is Jesus talking to this woman? And then Jesus, and then after the woman leaves, she's going to the village to tell the people of Samaria to come and see this Jesus. After she leaves, they immediately try to get Jesus to eat. And that's where we pick up in our passage. And Jesus tells them that he has food that they don't know about. And this once again confused the disciples and they begin to look at each other and they begin to ask the question, has someone brought him food? Because food was not just readily available, that he didn't get food unless he got it from someone else or from one of them. And, and so they're confused. Did someone bring food to Jesus while we were gone? And they begin to talk to each other and then Jesus tells them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so this is only confusing the disciples even more so. And because they couldn't fully understand and grasp what he was saying. But what he was teaching them was obeying the will of God brought more satisfaction and more joy and more fulfillment in this life than food ever could. That's what he's trying to share with them. He's saying there is nothing in this life that brings him greater joy. There is nothing in this life that fulfills him more than obeying the call of God on his life. There is nothing that gave him greater peace. There is nothing that gave him greater purpose. There is nothing that gave him greater satisfaction than obeying the will and the work of God in his life. And that's what he's ultimately teaching us today. There is nothing that will bring you greater joy than obeying the commands of Christ in your life. There is nothing that will give you greater satisfaction, greater encouragement, greater peace, greater joy than obeying the will of God. It is, it is something you can't explain what it does on the inside. Like you just... You, you feel the sense of purpose and you feel the sense of joy and you feel the spirit just feeling you um, with things that this world cannot fill you with, especially that this world can't fill you with anything longer than temporarily or momentarily. 
it will fill you from this world may fill you for a moment but then in the next it's gone but the feeling of the spirit of god when you're obeying the will of god is fulfilling that will last for all of eternity this is what he's kind of sharing with them in this passage. And, and Andrew Coote had a great illustration about this in our Sunday school class. And it's about a cartoon named Bluey. I haven't watched it yet. Really got to check it out. But it's about dogs and their tails are wagging and how it encourages one another. So check him out. That it, it, it's really, uh, you check out this cartoon. It's going to be a good one. I can't wait to get home. But anyway, it's the sense of joy and fulfillment that the Lord gives when you obey Christ. That's what Jesus is speaking of. When you obey God is what Jesus is speaking of. And when they can't understand what he's saying, why? Because all they're worried about is giving Jesus food. <laughs> That's the only thing they're focused on. That's all that they can see. That's all that they can understand is the food that they're wanting to shove down Jesus' throat, saying, you need food. you got to eat this food. That's all they're focused on, the food. And he's trying to teach them a lesson that will last for an all of eternity. And all they're focusing on is food. And so I really believe this, is a, this, this passage serves as a great word for us today as a caution. And so I believe the caution is something like this. Beware of the distractions in your life that will hinder your obedience to the cause of Christ. Beware of the distraction in your life that will hinder your walk with the Lord. Beware of the distractions in life that will cause you to miss God's calling and God's work in your life right before you. I hope you get what I'm saying this morning because I know for myself personally, I struggle with this as the highest, at the highest level. I'm a task-oriented individual. I love accomplishing tasks. I love completing tasks. I love seeing tasks and seeing something that I can complete and accomplish. And I think some other people are maybe like that, but, and, and that's the way these disciples were. <laughs> and when we're task-oriented, accomplishing a good and worthy task can sometimes distract us from what God has for us and what God is doing right before us, right in front of our eyes. If we're, not, if we're not careful, we can be so distracted on a task, a good and worthy task, that we miss the work that God has for us. We miss the work that God is doing right in front of our eyes. And so when I say distractions, I'm not even meaning bad things, sinful things, hurtful things. Think about this passage. The distraction that was hindering the disciples was food. Food's not bad. Food's good. Food's helpful. God has created food that it may nourish our body and give us strength to accomplish task, right? Food is not a bad thing. Food is not a sinful thing. Food is not an unhealthy thing. It's actually a good thing, a helpful thing, a, a, a needed thing. Our body needs food. But I believe Jesus cautions us to beware of the things in our life that we are so focused on that we miss the work of God that he's doing right before our eyes. I mean, all these disciples could think about in this moment was food. Actually, they were doing a good thing, weren't they? This is Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world, and they were trying to care for him. They were trying to minister to him. They were trying to make sure he took care of his bodies. They were doing a good and worthy 
task. But they were so focused on the task of getting Jesus food, they were about to miss the greatest revival that we've ever seen in the Gospel of John and the ministry of Jesus so far. They were distracted by a good and worthy task. They were missing out on the work of God in this Samaritan woman, and they were about to miss out on the revival that was breaking out in Samaria right before their eyes. And so I believe this is a caution for all of us to keep God a priority in our life, to keep the kingdom of God a priority in our life. Priority is something that is important. It's something that you protect. It's something that you make sure nothing interferes with. It's something that you make sure nothing gets in the way of. That's what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 and verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. What it's telling us is don't focus on the task, don't focus on the problem, but instead focus on Christ. And when we focus on Christ, then He will give you all of Himself. And as He's given you all of Himself, He will give you all of the things that you need. That is what He's trying to teach us. And that's what He's trying to share with us. Don't focus on the task as a church. Don't focus on the programs as a church. Don't focus on the ministry. Focus on Christ. And when you focus on Christ, He will give you Himself, all of His glory, and all of His righteousness, and all of His mercy, and all of His goodness. And as He's given you Himself, He will give you all of the things that you need in this world that we live in. That's what He's reminding us here in this passage as He's sharing with the disciples. Don't allow a good, a good and needed thing to become a distraction in your life in such a way you're focusing on the task and missing the very thing that God is doing right in front of you. This caution is not only true of us individually, it's not only true of us as a believer, but it's true of us as a church as well, isn't it? That if we're not careful, we can focus on programs and on ministries and on tasks and miss the presence of God. And miss the saving work of God. To miss the active Savior of the world in our midst, moving, working for His glory and our good right here. May we take a step back. And may we focus not on this world. May we focus not on this virus. May we focus not on our problems and on our health, but may we focus on Christ. And when we focus on Christ, He assures you that He will give you Himself. And what we learn in Scripture, He is greater than all of our needs. He is greater than all of our problems. And it's only in that moment when we're focusing on Christ, that we're able to see with a proper perspective our problems, this world, our health, and an eternal perspective, right? That everything we're going through right now, no matter what it is, is a season. And this season will pass. It might be a good season. It might be a bad season. 
this season will pass. That's an internal perspective. So what we focus on now is what will last for an eternity, and that is only our relationship with Christ and our relationship with others. That brings us back to a proper perspective. So may we not become distracted with good things that we are distracted from the mission of God that he's put us here on this planet for. So that's number one, the caution. But then he gives us a challenge, a challenge. This, beginning in verse 35, he begins to speak of this challenge to the disciples and to ultimately to us. Do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. This time Jesus is speaking here, it's about four months before the crops are ready to harvest. Um, the crops that he's speaking of here in this moment are like little bitty crops that are popping out of the ground. They're just little bitty green uh, plants that are coming through the earth. And he's kind of pointing to them. And ultimately it would be four months before those plants are ready to harvest. And he looks to disciples and he's pointed to them and says, Are you waiting to be about a gospel work, about gospel good, working for a gospel good, like you're waiting for the crops to be harvested four months from now? <laughs> Jesus is saying that, like, when you plant a crop, it takes a while. You've got to cultivate it, and you've got to work it, and you've got to plow it, and then ultimately you harvest it. And he's saying you're treating the gospel work in the same way, that you have to spend all of this time. But he said, no, 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 the gospel work is so much different. You share the gospel. You plant the seeds, but Jesus does the saving. And so we're planting the seeds, and that doesn't mean we wait to a different time to plant the seeds or wait to harvest. No, Jesus is saying, plant the seed of the gospel. You don't have to wait to see the fruit. Instead, Jesus is saying, the time is now. The time is now. Look, the Samaritans are coming now. You don't have to wait for a different time. You don't have to wait for a better time. The harvest time is now. They are coming. So go do the work of sharing the gospel now. I know in my list, trying to get a little more personal from the disciples to us, I know in my life, there are people in my life that don't know the gospel, and I'm always thinking about a time to share the gospel with them, and I always think... This is not a good time. I want to wait for a better time. When it's just me and them, when it's not as noisy, when there's not as much going on, I want to wait for a better time, a different time. And what Jesus is saying, there is no better time than now. Quit making excuses for a better time, a different time, or a perfect opportunity, start sharing the gospel so that Jesus may do a saving work in their heart and their life. That's what he's saying with the disciples, and I think that's what he's saying to us even today, which reminds me of one of my favorite movies, Rocky. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have seen Rocky. One, two, three, four, five, yeah, and it keeps on going, right? Sylvester Stallone never dies, right? He just keeps on going. I love that guy. Uh, but this reminds me of, I think it's Rocky II. And it's where um, Rocky and Apollo Creed, they fought the first time, right? And they go the distance. But Apollo Creed ultimately wins the decisions. But many people felt like Rocky won the fight anyway. And so Apollo Creed wants a new fight because he wants to prove that he is better and he is best. And so Rocky is going to fight, but then he gets married, 
to a lady named Adrian. And this age, then they have their first child, this first baby. And now Adrian is trying to talk some sense into Rocky and, and trying to tell him, hey, you got a baby now. You got a family now. You, you know, you've got to have a real job and you've got to care for your family. You've got to think about your family before you think about yourself. And last time you went in that ring, you got beat up really, really bad. And, and what happens, something happens to you, you're leaving us here by ourselves. So you need to quit this fighting thing and you need to get a real job. And so Rocky agrees that he decides he's going to quit this fighting thing. He's going to get a real job. He's going to take care of his family. And so then he has the birth of his child. And then Adrian comes to her senses. <laughs> okay, maybe not. But anyway, Adrian has a word in their hospital room. And so, Billy, would you show this clip now? One thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. What? Win. Win. What are we waiting for? Take this! favorite parts of all the movie, all right? You got you to understand what's going on here. That Mickey, who said, what are we waiting for? That's his coach, right? And so he's been coaching him all this time, but he's also family. And so he is just going, he is, you know, Adrian said that he couldn't fight anymore. And so he's being a good family member and saying, okay, we won't do any fight. I'm just here to support you. But all of a sudden, while she's in her hospital bed, while the baby is born, she decides he can go back to fight. And she's like, I want you to fight and I want you to win. And then notice Mickey in the background gets so excited. He's like, what are we waiting for? We got to get out there and we got to get ready because Apollo Creed's been training and we got to go, go, go. Let's get up. Let's get out. And then you see Rocky going to it. And so I can only imagine Jesus is kind of like Mickey here in this particular clip that he's looking to the disciples who are kind of sitting on their backside and all they're worried about food, all they're worried about is getting food in Jesus and they're missing a lost and dying world that is going to hell. And Jesus says, what are you waiting for? There is work to accomplish. There is work to do. People are dying and going to hell. And you've got the truth of the gospel that gives them the ability to have life and life everlasting. And all you're worried about is food. What are you waiting for? How much longer will you just focus on the task at hand and will you not see the gospel good? Will you not open your eyes to the work that God is doing right before you and the people that God is bringing in and that open your mouth and share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Here, he's challenging the disciples. He's not only challenging the disciples, but he's challenging us. It is time to turn our good intentions into actions. <laughs> and our good intentions. And How many of you heard the phrase, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Who is in our life that we've been intending on sharing the gospel with? Who is in our life that we've been thinking, if I get a good time and a good opportunity and, 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 and everything works out, that I'm going to share the gospel with them. They need to know the gospel and I'm going to share the gospel too. Who in your life are you intending to share the gospel with? 
it is time to turn those intentions into actions. That's what Jesus is saying. Quit intending on doing something that only he can do. Open your mouth, share the gospel, and allow him, by the Spirit's work, by the Spirit's power, to do what only he can do. Think of those who you work with. Think of those in your family, your friends, those that you live around, your neighbors, those that you see frequently. Jesus says, get busy about the business of sharing the gospel now. He says, he's teaching us or teaching the disciples, for the harvest is plentiful. But in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he says, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. We can easily see, we can go out these doors and we can see there is a lost world that doesn't know Jesus. You know why we know that? There's a lot of people that says, I have faith and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an internal conviction that it takes in order to be saved, to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of life. I have faith. I repent of my sins. I have faith. But how many of you know, if you truly have an internal conviction that is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will show itself in an external action. That is the way we behave. If you truly believe and you truly have faith, People will be able to tell by the way you act, by the way you go, and the way you do. When we go out into this world, there's a lot of people who act like the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't exist. They, they, they use Jesus as an add-on to their life rather than the Lord and the Savior of their life. Jesus is not something we just add on to our life like a side item in a buffet but instead, Jesus is the Lord of our life, who directs our life, who guides our life, is the center of our life. And when that is true in our life, the internal conviction we have by faith will lead to external actions that we will love like Christ, we will live like Christ, we will be like Christ, not perfectly, but it will be true that we'll love like Christ we will live like Christ, we will be like Christ. At some degree, there's Christ inside of you because he's the center of your life. Because you said, by faith, you believe in him. That's internal. And external leads to an external action that you'll live like him, you'll love like him, and you'll be like him. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Are you willing to obey the command of Christ and to share the gospel with others? May we, by the grace of God, never remain silent. We're not silent people. We're not silent people. We have an opinion about everything. Do you have an opinion about masks? You do. Do you have an opinion about vaccinations? You do. Do you have an opinion about Andy Bashir and all the mandates that he's had over the last year and a half? You do. Have you shared that opinion with others? You have. Would to God we share the gospel of Jesus Christ more freely and more openly than we share our opinions. Our opinions have never saved anyone. But the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power save souls, to change lives if we'd only share. If 
we'll be faithful in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus will be, sa- be faithful in saving souls. That's what we see in verses 39 through 42. It says, get this, many believe based on her testimony. Many believe on her testimony alone. There are many that came to faith in Christ because they heard about the Messiah that had come that told her about everything that she'd ever done. That is, when you open your mouth, there are some that will believe and have faith by your testimony, your testimony that God has given you of your salvation has the opportunity for others to come to know Jesus and Lord and Savior just by what Christ has done in you. Can you remember a few... At the beginning of the year, we went through our testimony tool of how to even share our testimony with a 30-second. It's the idea of a simple story about your life before Christ and your life when you experience the salvation of Christ and then asking them, do they have a story like that? For me, it would go something like this. There was a time in my life when I was controlled and filled with selfishness and pride, I lived for myself and myself only. But by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, now I no longer live for myself, but by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, I now live for Him, and my life has purpose now. My life has direction now. My life has hope now. I no longer fear the virus, this world, or our government because I know my hope is in Christ Jesus and my hope is in Him alone. Do you have a story like that? So in a 30-second window, you have the opportunity to share your testimony with another, and then you specifically ask them, do you have a story like that? When they say, no, can I tell you more about Jesus? Can I tell you more about his work in my life? Can I tell you more about his truth of his word? But then it says, then many more believed on Jesus' word. Because here's what that means. Is that there were some that believed just based on the faith that this woman had in her testimony of what Jesus did. There were some believing in that. But then there were others that, hey, I'd like to hear more about this Jesus that you tell me about. And she says, come, come and see, and I will show you the Christ who told me everything I've ever did. And as they come back to Jesus and all of Samaria is coming, this village is coming, and then Jesus speaks to them, and then based upon the word that Jesus spoke, said many more believe. So by your testimony, some will believe, but then others will be more interested. And then you take them to the word of God and in the word of God, many more will believe. What are they believing? That he is the Christ, the savior of the world. He cautions us, do not be. He cautions us to beware of worldly distractions. And then he calls them to action to go and tell. The blessed hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our caution today. Beware beware of the worldly distractions, good things that we're focused, tasks that we're focused on rather than the work of Christ. And then this is our challenge to go and tell, for this is the great commission. Make disciples of, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Here in just a moment, I'm going to ask our deacons to come forward and we're going to begin praying for the ones that are on our hearts and our minds that are far from the Lord, that we're going to begin praying for the lost that don't know Jesus, that they may come into a right relationship with Jesus before it's everlasting too late.
I'm also invite you as a church, if you'd like to come and pray, you're more than welcome to pray at this altar and come and cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ who has the power to save souls and to change lives. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, I beg you, before it's everlasting too late, come and know Jesus and be in a right relationship with Him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this time together in your house. Lord, we do pray for this invitation, this time to respond to your word. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would move in our hearts to respond in a way that is pleasing to you. You know every heart and every need that is in this sanctuary. And we lift those up to you. For the broken hearts, Lord Jesus, we pray that you comfort them that you strengthen them and love them. For the hearts that are stressed out, facing difficulties, heartache, pain, Lord Jesus, I pray your loving encouragement that you'd wrap them near and dear, that they draw near to you, that you may draw near to them that you may work in a powerful way. But Lord Jesus, for the ones here this morning that don't know you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that you'd convict them and draw them to yourself. May this be the day of salvation in your house. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand? When we walk with the Lord in the light of
be seated. I'll ask Chris and Tracy to come just for a moment. Uh, Chris and Tracy are no stranger to us here at Rosebier Baptist Church. Uh, they, Chris served as a deacon for how long? Eight or nine years. Eight or nine years before the, the Lord called him to Frankfurt, and he worked for Matt Bevan for a while. And Tracy was our secretary here for several years uh, before she went with him to Frankfurt. And, uh, and they come back uh, to Paducah. And uh, they're wishing to reunite with us here at Rosebier Baptist Church because part of our covenant is if you ever leave the church, um, we ask you to, wherever you're at, join a church and be faithful in that church. And they did exactly that. And we praise God. But they're coming back and they want to join us again. And so we're so thankful for their partnership here at Rosebier and for Chris's report of health. Had leukemia, been fighting leukemia uh, for the last year and a half. Um, and, and he has his son's bone marrow now. Um, and so God did an amazing work and has an amazing testimony in this sweet family. And so we want you to welcome them back and welcome them home uh, to Rosebier this morning after service. We'll ask them to stand at the back. If you'd like to come by and say hello and welcome them back, they would love that. All right. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. I've got a few announcements, and then we will be dismissed. I um, want to remind you of a few things. If you're going to go on the ARC trip, um, your final balance is due today, but Miss Rana wants to meet with you for a few minutes after service, just right down here. She's needing to get a number about who's riding the bus and, and to get your final, final balance, things like that. So if you're going to the ARC trip, please meet with Miss Rana right after service, right up front. And then also, Wednesday night, there will be no adult Bible study, all right? We've finished our men's and women's Bible study. There is no adult Bible study, but Wednesday night, we are having a meeting for the Awana workers at 630. Uh, Awana volunteers at 630 in the Awana room. For any more questions about that, see Michael Woolley. And then the following week is our fall kickoff um, for our ministries and things like that. And that we're going to have a fish fry at 6 p.m. It's going to be in the Reach Out Center. Um, and then at seven, or close to the 7 o'clock hour here in the sanctuary, uh, there's going to be this family that's going to come and share with us, and it's going to be really great. You don't want to miss it, but that will be the August the 25th. Any questions about that, please see Michael Woolley. And then also you see on your little bulletin, pick one up as you go, the Paxton Challenge for the Sunrise Children's Home. Um, if you would like to donate to Sunrise Children's Home, uh, there's a certain way you've got to do it. And uh, Chris Gates actually got the brochures for this today. And so if you'll see Chris before you leave, you have until August the 31st to make this donation. And it will be doubled for sending it to Sunrise Children's Home. So if you're going to give and you'd like to give, to this month is the best month to give. Today we have a baby shower for Jesse and Adam Larson from 2 to 4 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. And so we are excited that baby Luke will be here very shortly. Um, and... We are, their baby showers today from 2 to 4. And then also, you see on there, we're a hometown heroes softball game that we're doing September the 19th. It's a hometown hero charity softball game, and we're going to order some t-shirts for the players. Um, but if anybody would like a t-shirt, you're more than welcome to get one. Uh, if you want to guarantee, and we're going to order some extras where we'll have that to, to give. They're $10 a piece, but if you want to make sure you have your size, then please sign up on the bulletin board and let us know. We have the blue and red shirts, either one you want, uh, and your size, and let us know. They're $10 a piece, um, uh, but let me know if you have any questions about that. Also on the bulletin board, you'll see a sign-up sheet for the Christmas choir. Uh, if you would, uh, The Christmas uh, musical will be December the 5th. And so if you have any questions about that, see Howie, 
but sign up if you're interested in participating there. All right, and then we also want to remember so many uh, with health things that are going on. Brother Amos seems to be recovering well from his heart surgery in a regular room, uh, so we praise God for that. Continue to pray for Amos, and then Miss Jane and her health and her legs, and remember her. Philip Day um, has been diagnosed with COVID. Be in prayer for him as he and his Miss Faye um, in his recovery. We want to remember Barry Rhodes in his time. He is receiving some treatment for his pancreatic cancer, so we will remember him. Continue to remember Adetha Kilgore, um, and can re remember um, Dustin Mason. Uh, Miss Lexi Fitzgerald passed away, and her funeral was Friday night. So remember that family. And remember the Meadows family as they uh, received some very difficult news for Brian's father. And so please lift them up in prayer on these difficult and hard days. Uh, do remember the family of Brother Alex and Moragora and, uh, and all the, they had his funeral. Um, I guess it was maybe Monday uh, or Tuesday is when they had his funeral. But we're going to try to have a memorial service here at Rosebar September the 19th at 2 o'clock. Uh, they'll be here in the sanctuary. It's going to be a community-wide thing. The other churches that are participating are going to come. But we're tentatively putting that for September 19th at 2 o'clock. We waited a bit because Brother Bob um, is out of town, and we're trying to get Brother Bob back too because he was so key and instrumental in our connection with Brother Alex. Um, also uh, remember London Fires as she is recuperating from her surgery from uh, tonsil and adenoids. And so I, we've just got so many that are hurting and so many that are struggling with health and more that we want to remember. If you'll stand to your feet, we're going to be dismissed this evening or this morning. But as we're dismissed, our scripture memory and meditation for the month of August is John 3, 16 and 17. And I want you to repeat this first verse with me. It's very familiar. You'll know it, but just I'll say it and then you repeat. I'll say a phrase and you repeat the phrase. For God so loved the world, your turn. He gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's good hope. That's good word. That's good news. And then verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer as we're dismissed. Franklin Kilgord, would you mind leading us in our closing prayer?